Welcome to episode one of Nearsighted Podcast. I'm Brandon Williams. With me is my co-host, Big John Eisner. Um, most of you are probably wondering why Nearsighted Podcast. So, John, you want to give us some insight of uh, why we chose to um, make a podcast and kind of what we're, what we're going to do here for the community? Yeah, I mean, I think we have, like every other WVU fan, we've been around for years. We've listened to the media. We've listened to other podcasts. And they're great. Don't, don't get me wrong. They are great. But we think they may be just a little bit uh, emotionally driven. So we wanted to create a podcast where not only can we kind of talk about the emotions of being a WVU fan, because God forbid, we all know there are plenty, but we also wanted to look at the, not only the analytics, but the statistics behind either why we're winning or why we're losing things that could or should be changed and really actually giving a breakdown of what we're seeing on and maybe even off the field. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Um, I think a big thing that is going to set us apart from other people is that we're really going to dig into what the other teams are doing and what we're doing and, and how that matchup is going to look on paper. Obviously, everything changes whenever the ball gets kicked off. Um, but, you know, right now, um, I think that's our that's our big focus. And I think that, um, you know, we're going to have a great a great show here. And we got a lot of uh, sweet plans. Um, hopefully we can get some of the guests that we've reached out to onto the show. And um, that's going to be a part of our format. Um, do you want to go over the format a little bit, John? Yeah, I mean, this is going to be, uh, I won't say a typical format, but it's going to be a format that people are comfortable with. Uh, mostly, it's going to break down like this. We're going to look at the weekend review. This week, I'm going to warn you now, we're not doing it. We're sick of hearing about this Houston game. We know that you are too. It's time to move on. We'll assess some of the things that we've done uh, last week that were good and some that were bad, but we're not going to harp on the fact that we lost to Houston. We're just not. So this week is going to focus more on the preview of Oklahoma State, what we're seeing from their offense, their defense, their special teams, and what the WVU has to do to get away you know, with a win uh, against a tough Oklahoma State team. Finally, it's going to be the segment that Brandon and I really like, which is talking about an impact player of the week. And we know that most people <laughs> like to point out, you know, Garrett Green, CJ Donaldson. That's not where we're going to go with this. If one of them uh, is the impact player, fine. But we really want to look at these role players, these skill position players who may be flying under the radar, who need to have a big week or who we think will have a big week. Yeah, for sure. Like we're definitely going to try and, and spotlight some players that, uh, you know, on our assessment of the other team, like these are the guys that have to have a week this week or, you know, like we're not taking advantage of the weakness of the other team. And, um, but yeah, so let's, let's get into it then. Um, you know, preview Oklahoma state. It's a team that's kind of, uh, on fire and not really, <laughs> you know, in, in the way of, you know, the expectations after week three, but, um, but yeah, right now they're they're two and one in the conference. They're four and two overall. Um, it's, that's kind of uh, kind of where Mike Gundy lives and dies is is in the grindy. Um, you never you never want to count him out. Um, but yeah, let's start. Uh, so on offense, obviously we've got uh, QB Alan Bowman, which we've seen before as WVU fans at, at Texas Tech, and uh, he's a uh, he's a he's a traditional pocket passer. I mean, he's not gonna he's not gonna move around on you too much. Um, I think that's going to fare well for us in some ways, but also, you know, downfield passes has been kind of our Achilles heel on defense. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, 
John, you've seen this Ollie Gordon running back as well. I mean, what do you think of him? Oh man, I I've got to be honest. I wish Ollie was was in a WVU uniform. I mean, this kid is a stud. <laughs> uh, this, he not only runs the ball. I mean, we obviously we know he's a great running back who can run the ball. This guy catches the ball out of the backfield and can line up in the slot if needed or even go wide. This dude, if you shut him down on the ground, is not afraid to catch the ball and get yards after the catch. Honestly, he is a very complete player that is probably going to start rising up draft boards uh, if Oklahoma State continues to do what they're doing. But, I mean, Gordon is just one of those guys that's, he's not going anywhere. Like, you're just not going to shut him down. But there is, uh, I guess, one guy who you and I have kind of pinpointed uh, who I think and you think WVU could shut down, and that's at the wide receiver position. Yeah, Rashad Owens. Um, the past two games, I mean, this guy has, I mean, look at his stats for this year, kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, you're talking like maybe single digits, barely double digit yardage, and now all of a sudden it's 75 yards, 100 yards. Uh, in the last two games, I mean, something's clicking there between Bowman and, and Owens. And obviously with Gordon coming out of the backfield and the run game being where it is, like he's going to have he's going to have some plays that are going for for him. And and I think they're going to try and target him um, again with us having a, you know, kind of a, a weakness at, at the deep ball and kind of in passing right now. Um, but, you know, I would say that right now, currently, the, the Oklahoma State's going to rank around 11th in the Big 12. Um, and like for for their offense and like that is you might say like 11 out of 14 that's bad but like in a big 12 like there's a lot of <laughs> offense to go around so like they're still averaging like almost 400 yards a game it's like 390 some and it's like i don't i don't know uh if that makes them bad but you know they're ranked 11th uh i, I think they still look pretty stout especially these last couple weeks i mean bowman goes over 300 yards the last game um against kansas who's kind of been pretty good on defense um this year and even last year so um you know they're just above wvu so if you've kind of put the two offenses in comparison what you see out of wvu you're going to get a little bit better than that out of oklahoma state statistically uh, obviously different differences in, in offense uh, schemes and things like that come into play but i mean this this team looks like they're gonna you know probably try and and throw the ball against us and and if they don't they definitely have gordon to to really on to rely on for the for the uh the run game so um anything else you want to add about the offense john yeah i mean oklahoma state is just one of those teams that their goal is to beat you through the air i mean that they're a big 12 team through and through uh i mean that's why they're averaging 243 yards in the air and and you talked about owens earlier and, and how there's been this kind of monumental change if you look at owens uh, now his ability to kind of manhandle corners has grown uh exponentially this year he's his breaks are so much better and they're starting to use them across the field more that that's the thing that we're going to have to look out for with Oklahoma State is this team loves the slant route they love it they put it over the middle and that has also been an issue for us is allowing things allowing <laughs> as passes long as over I've the been middle a fan. yeah i mean that's the thing it, it's just the type it's the aggressive defense that we play where our linebackers cheat up, even if, uh, you know, they should be either playing a zone or even a spy. That's not what happens. <laughs> our our linebackers historically cheat up, which allows uh, kind of over the middle short yardage throws that can turn into big yardage throws real quick. 
Uh, and that's what Oklahoma State likes. And and with Owens finally kind of having his breakout moments, our corners are, I mean, they're going to have to step up. Uh, there is an interesting note. You kind of alluded to it. OSU does play uh, a similar offense to WVU. One thing that is a little bit different is that although they run a spread, which obviously who doesn't run a spread anymore in college, um, they don't Absolutely. really split. Yeah, they don't really split out very wide, uh, which honestly, that's where our corners could start to benefit. We could play a little bit more of a compact uh, zone, even if we had to, uh, but they could kind of cheat up a little bit and maybe control the middle of the field, allowing the linebackers to play farther up uh, because we have got to do better with pressure. We just have to. Last week was not a good week when it came to the defensive line, especially at the end position. Um I think every analyst in the entire world has talked about um, the defensive ends not having the discipline to contain, uh, which allowed Houston to do a lot of things that normally they wouldn't be able to. And not to mention WVU this year has been one of the better teams when it comes to pressures and getting to the quarterback. Uh, But last week had its lowest uh, pressure rate, which is uncharacteristic of that defense. And it's one thing that has to change this week because, I mean, you talked about it. Bowman is not a guy who's, he's not Garrett Green. He's not going to beat you with his legs. But if you give him time, he is going to slice you up through the air. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think that's kind of where WVU kind of has to make the decision of, are we are we going to pressure this guy? Or are we going to make sure that he doesn't throw the ball down the field? And it's like... WVU has historically, I and this is maybe just my opinion, has always been really good at pressuring the quarterback, at least these last couple of years, and not as great at stopping the pass down the field. So it's like, I think they should play to their strengths on this and maybe try and, um, you know, break that pocket out and make him roll out or do something that's going to, you know, decrease his accuracy. But, you know, the way it's looking, you know, right now, it really seems like, um, if Oklahoma State is going to try and win this game, they're definitely going to try and throw the ball down the field. And and I think that we definitely need to try, and I'm hoping that we have a game plan to put some pressure on him and try and get him down on the ground and, and do what uh, some other teams haven't been able to do in their wins. Oh, I mean, I, th- I think it's clear you have to pressure. I mean, right, so last game, if you look, uh, you know, we ran a lot of four-man uh, fronts and really, if a you know if a linebacker came from the middle, they were going to slam the right side. I don't expect to see that this game. Although I do think Oklahoma State has uh, about the same, if not a little bit better, uh, offensive line as Houston. I will say that the defense has to has to bring more pressure here because Bowman is not going to beat you on the ground like Smith could. I mean, Smith could just run anywhere he wanted. He's also 240 pounds. I'm talking about, obviously, the quarterback for Houston. Yeah. I mean, he is a Cam Newton-esque quarterback. Bowman yeah, is a taller C.J. Donaldson that can throw the ball <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Bowman is not. I mean, I, I I, think Smith could have caught his own throws. I mean, I think that's how athletic yeah, that guy no is. Kidding. But, But Bowman's not. But Bowman will have the ability, if he's allowed to sit in the pocket... He's going to find an open man, and he that that's the type of quarterback he is. He's a patient quarterback. He does not rush throws, and he doesn't make a ton of mistakes. I mean, he's thrown some interceptions this year that were kind of uncharacteristic of him, uh, but that has not been recent. Uh, he has kind of had a, I, I guess, more 
um, realistic last couple games for him. And if he has time, he's he is a good quarterback or at least good enough to where he can really break down a zone and just wait for his receivers, you know, and routes to develop. So they've got to bring pressure yeah. in my opinion. And it can't just be four man. It's got to be, you You obviously don't need to load the box, but you have to bring somebody. And I, yeah. I think we're going to see that. And I think we're also going to maybe see uh, some safety blitzes, which we did not see a lot of last game. Yeah. And I'll tell you who's like, you know, a stud when it comes to that is Aubrey Burks, like stopping, getting up yeah. and stopping to yeah. run and, and blitzing uh, off the corner is, is really where we missed him last week. If more than anything, I would say he was a big loss. I mean, that, there was going yeah. into that game. I think people, you know, most people recognize that that was a big loss. I don't think we all knew how big of a issue it was going to be. I mean, yeah. he, him being out, you just see, I mean, you see it from the stats, him being there. They are a, they're a top six big 12 team in pressures them not him not being there they're a bottom three i mean that it's yeah. that big a, it, it doesn't really a difference yeah it doesn't even stop a defense though like think about special teams i mean does Aubrey burks make the tackle that doesn't let you know the houston guy run it back to the house you know does that stop them from getting better field position in the other punts like Aubrey burks plays special teams as well and it's like that was definitely missed last week like whoever took his place definitely needed you know to step up and I think they kind of fell short yeah I think so too and it's tough to replace a guy like that I mean if I had to guess I'm assuming he's also very knowledgeable about the system uh when other players maybe even this is kind of what I was talking about earlier maybe when those other players kind of cheat up or cheat to the side to try to cover their zone or to get to the blitz maybe he's the guy who they depend on uh, to kind of fall back into that spot. Uh, I haven't looked enough at him, but I do know that he's an obvious leader on the defense. And it, I mean, it showed last week that he was, yeah, for sure. He was, he was really missed. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of defense, uh, let's go over to the Oklahoma state defense and kind of give our analysis of what we expect to see. And like, maybe, you know, what we need to do on offense to, to beat this defensive scheme. Um, so right now the stats we've got, um, Oklahoma State on defense in Big 12 play, it's 27 points per game roughly. Um, overall, they're like around 24 to 25 points a game. Um, they're only allowing 140 yards per game, which I say only because that ranks you know, like kind <laughs> yeah. of like mid-bottom yeah. pack in the Big 12 right now for running. Um, but um, yards per game, it's about 240 to 250. Um, obviously, I, I think that our offense matching up against this defense, we're averaging you know like 180 to 190 yards a game on the on the ground and then our yards per game and on the air is going to be really low but as we saw last week like there's some changes coming and i think it's really going to open up some passing opportunities for garrett green we we saw that he is capable um obviously his his accuracy was like in the 50s but like when you think about the game unless you're looking for the bad stuff like tell me john when you when you could name 18 of his incompletions last week like maybe 10 right like but like the the big plays were so good that you forget about the short pass that he missed or the, maybe like a little bit of an overthrown or a bad route but like I think that our offense is going to look really good against this defense again this week you know in comparison to the Houston game yeah I mean when you when you can look back at a game 
especially at the quarterback position and say, man, I can't remember those incompletions. That's a big deal. That means that the quarterback was not, was not beating you. Uh, you know, you were not beating yourself at the quarterback position, which to be honest, has not always been the case for West Virginia uh, over the last two years. I mean, I, I think we all like Garrett Green, but there, you know, there has been just like any young quarterback, there's been highs and there's been lows. Last week was definitely a high. You know, he went 20 for 38, 391, 52.6% completion rating. He did have that pick, but I don't really uh, value that as much. That's a fumble, right? Yeah, I mean, pretty much. It's just one of those things that didn't really matter. Um, the big thing to me was just his ability. It, if you look at the way that he was able to dissect that defense, he didn't rely on one receiver. He was able to do, he was able to progress through a play. He looked at each read, which has not been something that Garrett has done. Garrett historically looks at maybe one to two reads and then takes off running. Like that is his go-to. That's his go-to play. That was not the case last week. Last week, he was he actually let plays develop, which obviously turned into a huge, you know, huge day mm-hmm. and benefited him. And I think that, you know, part of the reason and part of why here, look, here's going to be my take this week, Brandon. I, I think Garrett Green eclipses the 400 yard mark this week for the first time. And the reason yeah, I, I mean, think that that could be the first time in. It could be the first time in Neil Brown history, maybe. Maybe JT might have had a 400-yard game last year or, or one or two. But, I mean, for the style of quarterback Garrett Green is, 400 yards is a lot, considering you know he's going to put up an 100 on the ground, too. I believe the only game that had more yards in the air uh, for Neil Brown at WVU was not a single quarterback game. It was Austin Kendall and uh, Dehe. They each played that game. One yeah. had like two two fifty. The other one had one fifty. I think is what it was. Um, I think he is the highest currently as a single uh, quarterback playing the entire game. But the reason I think that is because this is this is one of the f- this is the first year that Oklahoma State is under their new defensive coordinator. They're playing a 3-3-5, which, my God, we know about. <laughs> uh, we, the, the dreaded 3-3-5. We've been learned, hurt by that so many times. <laughs> you, learned, you learned to love to hate it. Um, but the big thing is, if you look at last week, Houston, they, they essentially looked at WVU and said, you're not going to beat us running the ball. That, you're just not. They stacked the box six, seven. I mean, that they knew what was coming, and they... Sp- they said no. But if you watch the game develop, I know that it was like it, it was super frustrating, obviously, watching uh, our runs get stuff. But we also kind of have to uh, look at how patient Neil Brown was, which I don't think we always give Neil Brown the credit. Um, and sometimes, you know, maybe he doesn't deserve it. But I think last week he did because, uh, yes, we had one, two, three yard runs with CJ, but it also made the defense look at the you know look at a play and guess you know guess run and when they did Garrett beat him over the top and that's why he got 391 yards it's because when the defenses stack the box like that or safety cheats up or a corner cheats you can have a receiver open downfield which is important and it's important this game because 
Oklahoma State does the same exact thing against run-heavy offenses. They've already done yep. it against Kansas State, where they essentially had seven people within the box. I think it was two, two, three, four plays in a row where they would do that because they wanted the quarterback to beat them. This is now going to get a little bit interesting because I don't think that they've come into a game where the quarterback on the opposing side has had a game like Garrett just had. So it's going to be interesting yeah. to see how and, how they tune. Yeah, I mean, you also have to consider like the type of quarterback and the type of person Garrett is. He's very emotional, which we saw obviously at the end of the game. <laughs> uh, not to bring it up, but oh, no. um, that that comes that comes with streakiness. And whenever you have a yeah. game like that, like even with the the way it ended, like he's coming into practice like swinging, if you know what I mean. And it's like he is ready because he knows oh, yeah. he can do it now. And and there is there's not a person out there that can change his mind because that's the kind of person he is. You know, like Neil Brown always says, the dude doesn't have bad days. Well, how about whenever he has a day like that and now he's going to come into this week and he needs a win? Like, I, I just think it, it's going to be a come out party, which, you know, we already kind of had a come out party. But like the real Garrett Green, please stand up, I think is going to be what happens here. And um, to add on to that, I think that. um. CJ Donaldson also, I think we're, we've all been kind of waiting and waiting and waiting. And I think this week is going to be the week. I think that, uh, while Milam, if he gets to play, I think that we have two very, uh, two very good guards, two very good tackles in the game. Last week we had some young people in there and we're going to, we're going to smash them in the ground and we're going to throw it over their heads. And I think that's going to be the, the sum up of, of, of how their defense stacks up against our offense. I think it, it's going to come down to a shootout, and I think our defense does does what they need to do to stop the offense enough times that our offense can just take over the game. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I, I want to point something out. You talked about how Garrett really hasn't had, um, well, you said he, he might have had a coming out party. I'm going to take it farther. I don't think he ever had a coming out party until last week. Last week, obviously, is his new career high. Before that, he went against, it was last year and that lost to Kansas State, uh, which was a good game. It, it, but that game, he went 15 for 27, 204 yards. He threw two picks, had three touchdowns. That was his, I think, career best game until last week. And yeah, not I mean, to not to mention definitely. the next game uh, that of that season, they play Oklahoma State. <laughs> they win 24. <laughs> they win 24, 19. He has an OK day. Um, he goes eight for 14, 48 yards, but he goes uh, six, six carries, 47 yards and a touchdown. So, I mean, it, it seems like he didn't really have to do all that much for that game, but it uh, this will be interesting because Garrett really has not, he's a confident kid, but he really hasn't had a game to hang his hat on. Um, I guess if you want to count, I I should go back. Duquesne, uh, he had 240 yards, which I guess that was his career high before him. I don't really care about that game because it's Duquesne. Yeah, me um, but That was a miserable game to be at, by the way. I, I was there till like 1130 because of the rain delay. And yeah, I have no doubt. We watched the whole game, which it, <laughs> which it ended up being okay. Like Obviously, going into the rain delay, it didn't look great for the old West Virginia Golden Blue. But um, coming out of the rain delay, it was, uh, it was a pretty solid game and fun to watch, even if there was only about 10,000 of us there at that point. 
Yeah. I mean, the big thing, this is the thing that's going to make me a firm believer in Garrett Green, and that is that uh, last week he had two touchdowns. He hadn't thrown a touchdown in three weeks. I mean, that yeah. that's a problem. If your quarterback obviously gets hurt against Pitt, you know, but, you know, against TCU, he did not have a great day. Um, Duquesne, obviously, he threw four touchdowns. Uh, I didn't realize this until right now. Those four touchdowns were his only four touchdowns <laughs> through the air all year. Yeah. That's a problem. I mean, that's I think not a big part of it, do. though, is... Yeah, for sure. Uh, we're extremely effective in the red zone, though. I mean, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I know that was something that we were at one point in the top of the Big 12 on uh, points in the red zone. Um, I think a lot of that stems off of also getting down the field, getting close to scoring, and then having a back like C.J. Donaldson and Garrett Green, who has legs. Like, why would you put the ball in danger when you have those two guys, uh, you know, on the five or six-yard line, where I think, you know, normally the, the play call is try and run, and if you don't get very far, throw, like, a little post route or something. But... I think that that's probably a lot of that statistic, if I was to guess, just my opinion. But um, having those backs and the the legs that we have behind us, I think that I think that that's probably where a lot of that. But you're definitely right, though. I mean, he needs to. You know, we haven't went down the field enough. Uh, obviously, he showed he can do it this last week, and I think that's going to result in some more, you know, thirty, forty yard touchdown passes that that uh, they get walked in by the receiver. Yeah, I mean, obviously Garrett's going to be able to run the ball, but I mean, l- looking just at his stats there, he up until last week he had three touchdowns, uh, and I think had less than two hundred yards rushing. So I mean, it wasn't that last year. Obviously, I think he ran the ball a lot more. Uh, he is obviously scoring on the ground, but I think, and part of it's play calling. I mean, we we on offense tend to be conservative. Um, that has been the last five years. That has just been how it is. Um, but I think now you, you have a kid out there who's now been your starting quarterback for two seasons. You have to trust him. And I think Neil Brown finally tried to, you know, he he gave him the ability to throw the ball last week and it showed that he could throw the ball. You have to do that again. You have to, he has confidence obviously to throw the ball downfield let him throw it. And if that's what loses you the game, that's what loses you the game. But you can't you can't handcuff the kid anymore. Like he, he you just can't. Yeah. Look at this. He goes 391, two touchdowns. And honestly, he could have had a third touchdown, but a terrible drop in the end zone by Anderson uh, <laughs> that led to the yeah. only pick that he's thrown all season, which is the other thing that needs yeah. to be talked mm-hmm. about. He takes care of the ball. Yeah, I think that's the honestly through four games. That's what we've done the best is fundamentals. And that's taking care of the ball and playing, you know, gritty, normal. Like, this is how you're supposed to play football. There's nothing pretty about it. It's it's just we're we're tackling, we're blocking, we're catching, you know, like the fundamentals. And I think honestly, like I was talking to somebody about this one time and if you like kind of think of like the blue bud programs like Alabama, even Clemson, USC, those 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 um schools that get the five star recruits consistently and high four stars all the time. Um what they do well and why they don't lose um you know the games they're supposed to win generally 
is because those kids have those fundamentals ingrained in them. That's why they're four and five star recruits. And that like never sways. And when it does is whenever you start seeing, you know, the Alabama go down to the random no name team in, you know, Southern Alabama somewhere that we've never heard of until they played Alabama on TV. And like, I think that that's really how we got to four and one is by being really good at the fundamentals. And then obviously this week, fundamentals just weren't quite there. And I think that's more or less. But yeah, catching the ball in the end zone to a, that beautiful pass, like, that's another reason. I don't think that's an interception. I think that's 100% oh, I, a fumble I, I, on Jalen Anderson. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a, a bad play. And if, <laughs> I, have to, I have to give this story. Uh, when we were watching that game, uh, Anderson drops that ball into obviously Houston's uh, hands and gets the pick. And I immediately uh, tell Brandon, CJ would have caught that. Uh, I think I think your <laughs> response was probably. And then they run the same wheel route. <laughs> he catches it. <laughs> yep. Uh, probably like 10, 10, 15 plays. I mean, yeah, like, it wasn't. And I'm like, well. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was funny. The I other would thing also I wanted... like to, to point out that yeah, that he did. Uh, CJ did. The reason CJ wasn't in the game for right there is because he did fumble the ball, and then we got away with it. So yeah, that's fair. Let's just that, point that, that out. <laughs> that that is fair. CJ did have that that little hiccup. Um, CJ's my guy though, so I would keep him on the field. I don't care if he fumbles the ball. Keep him on the field. He's your best back, and it's not close. Um, which is hilarious Absolutely, because yeah. the kid never even played running back and now he's incredible i think the other thing that needs to be pointed out and you made a good point about the blue bloods uh and you know kind of them being consistent let me ask you this brandon name for me during the dana holgerson years a first round draft pick from wvu's offensive line oh offensive line your oh, silence yeah. is correct. We, there are none. Yeah, I was going to say, we didn't have any. We had we it, did have some guys drafted, I know that, but they were not first-rounders. Right, but and they were not, they didn't come out that were, you know, highly, uh, you know, they weren't, guy, you know, they weren't the guys in the NFL. Like, Quentin Spain had a great career, but he wasn't, like, a dude yeah. in the NFL. Uh, you have a couple guys who are decent, but there's no one that's really been, you know, a, a dude under Holgerson at the offensive line. Neil Brown has some dudes on the offensive line like Zach and Wyatt. Yeah, they're going to be top three round picks. Frazier is probably going to be a late first, probably second round pick. Um, Wyatt can go anywhere between the you know one, two and three, uh, depending on what kind of season he has moving forward. And just the career he has left at WVU. But though, that's not something Even that Doug we Nestor. had. Yeah, I mean, Nestor, I, I could see him being a. Uh, role player in the NFL like he he has that yeah. ability but we didn't have that yeah before. I mean he's definitely he's not like one two three definitely right he's, he's, he's gonna not, play on Sundays he will be yeah somewhere. I mean he is he's not that guy but he could definitely be a swing tackle in the NFL without a doubt in my mind he, ha he has the size and he has the skill to do it but those two guys that's because Neil Brown has done a good job and I know that some people don't want to hear this um, and sometimes I don't even want to hear this Neil Brown has done a good job <laughs> working with his coaches to develop the offensive line. Like, yes, Frazier was highly recruited coming into WVU, but you could have just said, okay, get out there, kid. And he could have turned out to be 
terrible. Like they couldn't have, you know, wouldn't have developed him. There's plenty of four and five star linemen who absolutely get hammered in college. Like they just, nothing good happens for them because they don't develop that. He hasn't let that happen. They've done a good job developing offensive linemen, which is why you're able, in my opinion, to take care of the ball. Your offensive lineman, your quarterback, your running back, they can trust the offensive line. That's not something we've always had at WVU. Yeah, no, I, I get it. That, and that's like the foundation of, of offense. I mean, literally. Oh, like, yeah. If, if, if your offensive line is there to protect you when you're passing, to make guys, you know, create, create gaps for your running backs, you know, block people if you're trying to go to the perimeter i mean they're everything so having a, a solid off i mean look at tom brady i mean how many not to bring up the goat but how many years did tom brady <laughs> take pay cuts so he can make sure he had big guys in front of him that weren't going to put him on the ground i mean you gotta you gotta learn from things like that and and it's i think it's definitely an emphasis that neil put on this team and even going forward into the future we've got you know some people lined up that everyone's pretty excited about um to, to learn from who they're learning from and to be the, you know, the next round of guys. But, um, but yeah, let's, let's go ahead and uh, move on to our, our next portion, which is going to be our, our, our special segment, um, the nearsighted impact player of the week. Um, this is just like, like John said earlier, this is going to be the guy um, that we feel like matches up the best against this team and needs to show that he's going to match up against this team. And uh, so, for week one of the podcast, we are going to choose Cole Taylor, the tight end, obviously. Dog. Uh, everybody knows him as the <laughs> – he's the dog. Everybody <laughs> knows him as the, the guy who's open by birth, being six foot seven, um, which is which is funny because uh, my dad's 6'6", and I never would have saw him as a tight end, but uh, that's just because he's unathletic, not because he's not tall enough to play the position. But um, – yeah. Last week, uh, Oklahoma State <laughs> super is the worst. Uh, Oklahoma State, uh, yeah, that's that's a fact. Uh, he actually gave it up because he, it was too much. He's work, gonna so. be so upset. <laughs> uh, but he, yeah, he so last week, Oklahoma State. You <laughs> probably thought you were getting out of here and talking about like, how good of a dad he was or something. Yeah, <laughs> and you just roasted yeah. him. Yeah, I can't. I can't tell the viewers what my nickname for my dad is, but he knows what it is, and so does my mom. And hey, you know who's not your us. dad though? You know who's not your dad? Cole oh, Taylor. No. Yeah, Cole Taylor. I mean, not your dad I wish Cole Taylor was my athletic. dad because <laughs> yeah, he's he's athletic, and then maybe I would have had a chance in life. But you did. Uh, here we are talking about sports instead of playing them. So, <laughs> um, but anyways, yeah. So the reason I picked Cole Taylor this week is. Uh, Oklahoma State really struggled against the tight end last week. I don't know if uh, our viewers have have seen the footage or if they watched the game, um, but Kansas tight end last week, out of nowhere, he goes five receptions for 95 yards. Uh, the plays that he caught, he was like there wasn't a person near him. I think he went to the end zone untouched twice, and it, it just seems like they didn't even know the guy was on the field. And um, I think with Kansas having a mobile quarterback, we have a mobile quarterback. Kansas having good running backs, we have good running backs. I think they're going to probably try and play us similar. And if that's the case, uh, Cole Taylor might have himself a day and a career on this team um, this week. So um, I think he's also just due for a game. I mean, we've we've been waiting. He's We've seen glimpses, you know, 
consistency across the middle when we need him. It's like who you're gonna throw to, uh, Doug Cole Taylor, and and that's just been what's happened. And he's coming off of a couple weeks ago he had an in, uh, injury, and last week he saw the ball a little bit, but our receivers really stood out, and I think that's gonna help him going into this week because the game plan for Oklahoma State's gonna shift a little bit, seeing that we've got four other guys lined up that can catch the ball down the field. So um, I don't know how you feel about it, uh, John, what your opinion is it, but just go ahead and fill in the blanks there. But I think I, uh, <laughs> I think Cole Taylor is going to have himself a day. Cole Taylor, as long as knock on wood, he stays healthy. He should have a career day. The other thing that needs to be pointed out that Cole Taylor does not get enough credit for that Hudson Clement touchdown at the end of the game. You know who led the way there? That was Cole Taylor. Yeah. Downfield blocking as a tight end for your receivers is not only significant, it's impressive because there's not a lot of tight ends that can get down the field like that. And he can. And the reason why Oklahoma State struggles, to be honest, their safety play is not good. Like, if you watch on film, they get lost a lot. So if you can have routes where Cole Taylor can even go underneath some of these receivers, you should be able, even in a a pinch, to dump it down to Cole Taylor. He should rack up receptions. I think he goes for probably eight or nine receptions this game uh, or anyone at the tight end position because that's honestly how poorly Oklahoma state has played uh, in that, that role this year. So yeah, I agree. Cole Taylor should have himself a day. I did pick a, which this will not happen every week, but I did pick an honorable mention. um, And and that is Mr. White. Obviously everyone, I, I, everyone was upset with him last week on kickoff returns. Uh, He's, not doing a fantastic job. The entire special teams are not doing a fantastic job, um, but he has to see the field better. Like that, that has to happen this week. And I'm not, I'm not saying that to put him down. I think that he's a hell of an athlete who it should be. Um, I guess I'm, I'm trying to say that I believe in him so much that I look at these numbers and I'm like, what is going on? Like, what is the problem? And if you watch some of the returns, Right now, we're averaging 17.9 yards per kickoff return, and the season long is 24 yards. But the good news is that Oklahoma State and WVU both rank in the bottom three for Big 12 kickoff <laughs> returns. So I don't expect them to return uh, one for a tutty like Houston did, but I do expect White to see the field better. Because on that 24-yard run, which was last week, where there was broken containment by Houston's uh, kickoff team, if he kicks it outside, he probably gets another 10 to 20 yards. But he didn't. He gets tackled. And it just seems like he's having trouble reading uh, where some of the holes are on kickoff return. And it could be that we're not seeing something up the field. Maybe people are missing their blocks. But... I didn't see that on some of these where he just did, you know, he just struggled to see the field. Yeah. I mean, for sure. I mean, it's definitely not going to be a barn burner on special teams this week. That's, that's a given based on the statistics. No, I just want to see a little bit of an improvement because moving forward, we're going to need that because we have to get better starting field position than we've gotten this year, because that's part of the detriment 
to Garrett is, you know, they're starting at the 18 yard line. You know, they're not getting to the 25 unless it's, you know, obviously it's a touchback, but they're, you know, they're having a lot of issues. So they've got to start better field position wise, and it'll put us in an advantage in the run game. If we can shorter field, that's what WVU needs. Yeah, totally agree there. All right. Well, to, uh, to close out, we've got our picks with big John, where we're going to talk about the games this week in the big 12 and go over the, the spread and kind of make up, uh, make a uh, suggestion of maybe if you <laughs> just are kind of make it up <laughs> yeah just just kind of gonna roll with the punches here but um that's funny yeah we're just we're just gonna kind of give our take and what we think about uh each individual game and, and if you're uh, the kind of person that likes to waste money like we do then uh you could take our suggestions <laughs> but we do not stand by them in any legal form <laughs> yes uh disclaimer uh, Brandon and I lose a lot of money, uh, but not a lot, but money. Uh, and, uh, we can't lose a lot. We don't have a lot, but we do lose money plenty of times. So, uh, please don't follow our picks. And if you do, uh, that was your fault. So and if, and if you win though, we do get half. That's just we do. We do accept donations. Uh, and you could send that directly to my personal PayPal, and I will probably make sure that Brandon gets something. Maybe. Probably All right. Uh, so first up, uh, noon games. We've got UCF versus Oklahoma. I think this is actually going to be a pretty interesting one to watch, especially for a noon game. Um, reason being, UCF's starting quarterback is going to be playing. And Ooh. that guy is not not bad. And I think that Oklahoma might have overlooked this team a little bit, as maybe everybody has going forward if this guy gets to, to play and stays healthy. So uh, spreads uh, minus 18 and a half as of the time of this video. Um, I, I'm taking UCF on the spread, I think, personally. I don't know if Oklahoma's got 20 if this guy plays healthy. I I am taking Oklahoma. Uh, what was the spread? It was minus what? Eight, 18 and a half. I, I'm taking it. Minus 18. I think Oklahoma blows UCF out of the water. I don't think it's a close one. Uh, Oklahoma, I, I wanted so badly <laughs> to pick UCF, uh, but I looked at Oklahoma, and they really don't have a lot of letdown games. Um, so... I, I think they're just going to come out and just take care of business. Now, if this was if this was in Florida, my pick would be different. But since it's in Norman, uh, I'm going Oklahoma there. Yeah, and I'm in no way saying UCF is winning this game. I'm oh no, 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 no! I mean spread wise. Uh, my my guess. Should... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but I I think Oklahoma by two touchdowns. Fair, I take them. But you're talking three, four scores. I, I don't know. We'll see. He, Hey, but, I'm uh, always so leery of that. I'm, I'm the always under. leery of that. Yeah, I'm always leery of that. <laughs> I think in uh, the Big 12, anytime you see the high double digits of of anywhere close to 20 in the spread, like, I don't yeah. know. It, it could you. be – it could any week is anybody's anybody's week in, in the Big 12. So, And all, all those teams, Texas, Oklahoma, you know, Kansas State was this way in the beginning, they're, they're all due for a game where they're supposed to win and they don't. We had ours That's last fair. week. That's it, fair. It, it sucks, but I'm not even saying they're going to lose. I'm just saying I don't think they're covering 18. But 
18 and a half, yeah, but I get you. Anyways, uh, <laughs> next, uh, next one up is Baylor Cincinnati. This is going to be a real barn burner. Um, it is <laughs> yeah. minus three for Baylor. People are going to want to burn down the barns <laughs> after this. Yeah, literally anywhere there's a TV with a barn like that. Burn that down. Yeah, it's see ya. Uh, um, so yeah, so I think the spread? viewership of that game is going to be. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, when I looked, it said it, it said three, but I was assuming uh, that that's what uh, FanDuel said. But I was assuming it was probably two and a half or three and a half. Um, but we'll go with two and a half. That that's what it is right now. Um, I, I mean, I don't know. This this is a, this is going to be a, a real hard one. I would not put this in any of your parlays. <laughs> Because it really could go either way. These teams haven't really shown anything this year. Uh, Baylor was up, and uh, I, I, I just, I don't know. It's, it really could go either way. I'm going to take Baylor just because I, I don't have a lot of outlook for, for Cincinnati as a whole. Um, so I'll, I'll take the three or two and a half. Look, I, 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 am a, I am a true and true WVU Cincinnati Bengals fan. Uh and my friends, my friends in Cincinnati are gonna hate this, but I am slamming, <laughs> slamming, plus two and a half for Baylor. I don't think, I don't think it's even close. I think, I don't know why. I've got a feeling. I think Baylor wins this game by ten. I, that's just how I feel. I think Cincinnati has been such, they've been so bad. I just don't see them turning around right now. And Baylor's one of those teams. In all honesty, like. Yeah, they've been bad, but there's also been like these kind of hopeful moments, and that makes me at least somewhat believe in them. Uh, so I'm going Baylor all yeah. day plus plus two and a half. I think they win by ten. You've got you got them favored, or you got Cincinnati favored now. Uh, let me check. No, like in the spread, is it? It was minus, I think, minus. But anyways, Bay- Baylor's definitely. I've got Baylor. In this I've situation. got Baylor. I've got Baylor plus two and a half. Oh wow, that's that's really shifted since I did this earlier. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, um, Baylor plus two. Baylor and minus I'm three it. earlier. No, I'm yeah, slamming absolutely. plus yeah, two. Yeah, no <laughs> yeah, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, yeah that's Baylor's what it's definitely at. beating the spread on this. Yep. <laughs> well, uh, okay, and then uh, we'll we'll leave the WVU game for last. So yeah. next we've got uh, number eight Houston or number eight Texas versus Houston. Texas is a twenty-two and a half point favor. Yeah. This is uh this is easy for me, uh Brandon. Uh, and I'm not showing any emotion, okay? I'm just going to be honest. I'm going Texas minus 100. I hope they blow <laughs> Houston out of the water. And look, I'm not trying to be biased or show any emotion, but my god, I hope they win by 100. And that's not emotion, okay? I'm just talking about analytics and film and all that kind of stuff. Um really putting emotion to the side. Uh, but in actuality, I yeah, think absolutely. Texas Texas wins this game uh, by thirty. Yeah, and and my pick, I'm going to go 100 percent emotion, and I'm going to say that <laughs> uh, that te- <laughs> at least that you're Dana honest. Does I have lied a pretty good track record. <laughs> <laughs> they have a pretty good track record against against uh, against Texas with, with Dana's with Dana's uh, coaching, but but. Texas by a hundred. I think that you're you're spot on there. I would I would slam <laughs> well, the the, uh, the over well, on this. Here here here. I will be I will be honest for a second, and this is the reason why I'm taking Texas uh, with that spread. Dana Holgerson, he, all that team put everything they had into last week, everything, and barely and came out with a win. Place. Yeah, <laughs> barely came out with it, and a couple of phantom 
penalties. Let's be honest. Uh, they needed a whole lot of help from our friends in black and white. Uh, so I've got Texas just destroying them. It's going to be the ultimate Dana Holgerson move where he comes off a big win and then just gets thrashed. So uh, welcome home, Dana. Yep. Totally agree. Uh, all right. And next we've got Texas Tech, BYU. Texas Tech is a four and a half point favorite. Yeah, you go ahead. I I can't believe that that's the spread. <laughs> I think that BYU is in the dumpster. Uh, the record <laughs> does not show what we've seen the last few weeks in Big Twelve play. Um, being what are they like four and two or something now? But yeah, it <laughs> they they are in the very deep bottom of the Big Twelve, in my opinion. And uh, I think Texas Tech is. Is actually played pretty decent against Kansas State last week, and I think that they're going to show what they can do against this BYU team who just can't score points for some reason. Um, so I'm definitely taking Texas Tech four and a half. I have no idea. Look, I, I think if you know how sometimes you got to call the governor to either complain or thank him, <laughs> I think we should start doing that with Vegas. We need to start calling Vegas and thanking them for lines like this. Because there is no reason why this should be anything less than a seven-point spread, in my opinion. Texas Tech yeah. should win this game, and they should win it easily. I don't care that it's at BYU. It doesn't matter to me. BYU, historically, has been a program who has its ups and downs, but really hasn't seen this level of competition throughout their entire schedule. They are right now. They cannot compete on the offensive side of the ball. Even if Texas gives up a couple touchdowns to a very underperforming BYU offense, Texas Tech's offense is going to just thrash that defense. I I've got them easy. I I'm slamming, slamming the minus four and a half. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so now we've got uh, the second to last game we'll go over. It says TCU, Kansas State, and Kansas State's a six and a half point favorite. This, I think, will be the game that I turn on my TV when I get home from the WVU game Saturday. Yeah. And I think this is going to be a really fun game to watch. Uh, two reasons. Uh, one, they're both historically very good teams in the Big 12. Uh, TCU obviously coming off of a crazy season last year. Um, I was there at the TCU-WVU game. Crazy game. Fans super nice, by the way. If you ever get a chance to go, those those people were extremely welcoming and, and, and very nice to me as a WVU fan with all my gear on. Um, but the main reason this is going to be a very interesting game to watch is because both teams are starting a new quarterback. And I think that both of those new quarterbacks looked very good in their playing time last, last week. And they are going to uh, have quite the showdown in Kansas State this, this week. Um as far as the spread goes, though, <laughs> uh, Kansas State being favored by a touchdown is is pretty uh, pretty solid. I, I I think TCU covers though. I I don't. I'm not gonna say TCU wins, but I think it's a very close game, and I think TCU might cover the spread. I think TCU covers the spread. Here, I'm gonna get a little bit uh, a little bit technical on statistics for these bets. Again, okay. So record versus the spread for these two teams, I think, is very telling. TCU is five and two. That's their record versus the spread. Kansas State and one of those was WVU this year. 
Kansas State, two and four. So I've got TCU covering. I also, I think this is a field goal game. Even without looking at that stat, I think yeah. it's a field goal game. I think both teams, in all honesty, TCU's offense could erupt at any minute. Like, I always feel that about them. Their offense is so fast that at some point, it's going to click. Like, that's just how it is. That's that team. Now, they're going to have bad weeks, but they're going to click at some point. I think they kind of clicked this game. I've got them covering. Yep, yep I, uh, I agree. And last but not least, the game that we've all been waiting for this week to <laughs> erase our minds of last week. Yeah. Um, Oklahoma State, West Virginia, in Morgantown. WVU is a three-and-a-half point favorite. I think if this game... Like, this is such a close game, in my opinion. And, like, yeah. I know we kind of talked down about the off- the defense for Oklahoma State and really talked up our offense, but, like, I really think this is a close game. I think this is a it fair is. spread. I think that if, if this game is in Stillwater... It's a hundred percent the other way, like three and a mm-hmm. half to Oklahoma State, but it's not. It's in Morgantown, and I think that we've got something to prove. I think our guys are going to be piped up, and I think that we're gonna we're gonna cover the three and a half points easily. Uh, I have got West Virginia covering, um, but if I'm a better here, I avoid the spread and I take the over. Yep. I think the, I think the over is gonna just be so far eclipsed in this game. And here's why I, I could see West Virginia is going to come out and be emotional. Okay. They're pissed off. They're, they're upset that they lost that game. Okay. Especially to the guy on the other sideline. Here's the thing though. I could see WVU coming out and having an early turnover. Maybe Garrett, maybe we get a little fancy or too fast for ourselves and Garrett throws a quick pick, right? Oklahoma state takes lead. I could see that. I'm telling everyone now, just, I hate to quote him, but just like Aaron Rodgers said, R-E-L-A-X, you have to relax. They'll, I think they'll find their rhythm. West Virginia will cover. I don't think it will be pretty uh, the first quarter, but I do think that they will dominate uh, two, three, and four, which will get them to cover. I also think that that, I mean, you know it as well as I do, that crowd in West Virginia is going to be on one. Like the tailgates, the tailgates are going to be at a new level. I don't even want to know the amount of uh, refreshments that will be down before (laughs) that game. I'm sure the number will be off the chart and they're going to be loud. Oklahoma State is not going to hear themselves. And I think that that's going to be a huge advantage. And you're right. If this was in Oklahoma, we'd be talking a little bit different. It's in West Virginia. I got West Virginia covering. Absolutely. Cool. Well, um, with that, that concludes our episode. And I thank everyone for listening. And uh, I'm Brandon. And this is uh, this is John. And we'll be back with uh, our review and preview of next week. Uh, same time. You catch us on Spotify. You catch us on YouTube. Um, hope everyone has a good night.